Welcome to episode 396 of We Don't Die Radio. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international bestseller called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And if you are listening to this and you'd rather be watching and meeting my guest via video, go over to YouTube, type in We Don't Die Radio 396. And just a reminder, our home base is wedontdie.com, where you can always find our free and fabulous weekly inspirational service called our Sunday Gathering. It's complete with a medium demonstration included. We also have upcoming classes and events and all kinds of good stuff. wedontdie.com. Our guest today is near-death experiencer Jacob Cooper, who is a clinical social worker, Reiki master, and certified hypnotherapist who uses his extensive personal and professional experience to empower one soul at a time. He is the best-selling author of Life After Breath, and his latest book is called The Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder. Jacob is a sought-after speaker on grief, wisdom, and consciousness, offering meditation and mindfulness seminars to help others find purpose and overcome their fears. You can find out more about him at jacoblcooper.com. Jacob, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. It's good to be back after, what is it, like five or six years since our last- Six years. Six years. I think it was episode 147, and here we are at 306. Wow. 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 You've done so much since that time, and even before that, when I knew you, it's just amazing the work that you've done and the lives that you've touched, and I'm so lucky to play a small part of that, so thank you for having me on. Thank you so much. And you know, once we share our passion, we just can't go wrong. So let's pretend that you've never been on the show before because people would have to go scroll way, 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 way back. <laughs> <laughs> gotta go, gotta go to the archives there. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. uh, so obviously the title of the show is We Don't Die. So we always like to hear stories about why you believe in the afterlife, but we also want to share what it is you're up to. So Let's go back. Tell us a little bit about who you are and and some of your experiences that have you here today. Yeah, well, you know, I'm like you said before, I've written my second book. It came out in January called The Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder. And that right now has inspired me to develop my own, you know, podcast and YouTube channel called The Wisdom Jacob's Ladder. And I give over wisdom, you know, and guidance and have guest interviews. And I know we're going to be having you on as my channel. But for me, I'm a near-death experiencer, like you said before, and I had one at a very young age. And my life's goal, kind of like yours, is to give over some of the insight that I've gotten, you know, from that transformation and to give it to over give it over to others. And when you feel something so deeply, there's a part of you that just can't deny giving it to others. It's too much for you to hold on to that you want to just have someone feel and experience what you've seen. So um, we're, we had different paths, but for us, we had that same degree of enthusiasm to share the afterlife to this life with people. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, what was your near-death experience like, if you can go back? And do you remember it clearly? I do. And I'm, and I'm learning more each, each day about it, because as we know, the experience is just the experience, but each and every day, and near-death experience researchers will tell you it takes time to really fully understand, make sense of, you know, and to integrate, you know, the experience. They say it takes around two to three decades to really 
come into form with it. And that's certainly happened to me. But, you know, I was just the young age of three years old, which is very different than a lot of other experiencers that, you know, people might have seen. But, you know, to me, it's good to stand out. It's good to be different. But there's a, a profound different message that my NDE has than maybe others, which we'll get into. But I was just three years old. I went to a playground. I, at the time, had pertussis, otherwise known as whooping cough. And I climbed onto a ladder on going up into a slide, and I just began suffocating due to this whooping cough. And, you know, due to the suffocation, all parts of my body just began to become irresponsive. They weren't functioning. You know, the analogy I always give, give is like you're in a car, you try to have your car working, the car's not working. So there's no point in hanging in your car. You're going to go outside of your car, pop the hood and see what's going on in the engine. And that's kind of what I did where I just kind of was able to see my body and become aware of it. Uh, but I was also aware of my own brain and I was able to really understand my brain through a whole other viewpoint. And obviously they say that we use a very small part of our brains in our lives. And for us, most of us can understand our brains because we're using the brain to understand it. We need other degrees of awareness beyond just the brain itself. But I felt my brain literally snap in half due to the deprivation of oxygen, as if you're hearing a large thunder sound. And I felt this large crack in my brain. And there's a euphemism that says, my brain cracked open. And that's when God came in. And that literally happened to me, though. It wasn't like something that just totally happened outside. It was literally something that I felt within my brain. Once my brain cracked open, that's when this whole other awareness, you know, came into form in which I became aware of the religious word is God, but to me it's it's more than just a word. I say it's the centerpiece where all of life emanates and flows from and the highest apex of reality as we know it. And I just felt myself just soaring into this infinite awareness where there was no beginning, there was middle, no middle, no end. It was just endless euphoria. And I just became so comforted by this, but it was such an overwhelming transition from a three-year-old boy just all of a sudden going into this endless pinnacle of euphoria and love and understanding. you know. And I became aware of my own thoughts, my own concerns as to what my life would be like and leaving my own parents behind and questions like, what would I look like? What would this life be like? And all of a sudden, I just felt this this wave of consciousness and you know, the best way I could describe it is a Christ consciousness. A lot of near-death experiencers will describe Jesus himself coming to them. But to me, this was much deeper where I felt this awareness or kind of like this octave on the other side that was a familiar vibrational frequency. And when I was in this presence, um, it just felt like a sense of comforting where all my fears that I had were just kind of dissipating. And in this presence, I had an understanding of timelessness that all was well, will be well, and is well. And I was just able to bask it into that sensation. And slowly, I just felt my body beginning to uh, becoming aware of my body in this earth reality. And I was able to feel and see my own spirit guides, which is a male and female guide. And when I was looking to them, they were to the right side and left side of me. And I just was in awe of how incredibly beautiful they were, but also just my degree of forgetfulness that they were with me each step of this journey. There was just so much um, in there. 
that they were with me. And when I looked at them, they were just the most beautiful beings. I don't have descriptive words, but uh, you know, the best way I could describe it is imagine you have, you know, a tremendous crush on like a celebrity or something. And then you find that they feel the same way about you. And you're like me, like you're like, that's the kind of like the way that I was, it was like these, these beings that were so otherworldly, but they were just as in awe of me as I was within them. And they were just as invested in me as I saw in them. And, you know, then my body was just flatlined on the ground and all the people that went to me in the playground that day were calling my name and just asking me if I was okay. And I was able to feel my body next, my, my form next to my body. And I wanted to just shake them and tell them that I was okay. And you know, the suffocation was something that lasted for me almost two decades until I really owned my story. But that period of suffocation where I could see them, but they couldn't see me is probably how sometimes our loved ones feel about us. And on the other side, it's, you know, it, it's unique, but I was able to see them and know them through such a greater depth where I was able to see their auric fields and know who they were. I was able to know their hearts and their minds and what they were about. And it just dawned on me looking back that everyone is a spiritual being and it's not monopolized by a select few like we associate, you know, some as just being spiritual and others are not. We all come from the same source and but some people integrate it and expand upon it and others might have more amnesia about it. But slowly I looked up and I saw just an endless sea of angels that was floating right in front of me. And these angels were kind of like, the best way I could describe is you have this reality, just turn up this dial just ever so slightly. And there are angels all around us at all times, just a thin veil separating this dense physical reality and the other side. But when I was looking at these angels, I was able to hear their beautiful choir, their sounds, and I was able to look at their colors. They had like a gold color. They're very youthful in their presentations, and they're just floating very peacefully, just sending energy. Uh, contrary to the spirit guides or the primary guides that I had, these angels that I was seeing were very identical. They're very uniformal, but the uniformality was just an unconditional love, and they were focused more on the macro than but the spirit guides were more the micro focus, more focused on me, uh, you know. And then slowly, I became became aware of my own, you know, soul family that would just kind of step forward as if, you know, you're on a beach and then you see on the shoreline, you know, all these people coming to you, um, and it was just beautiful. There's so much more to it, but I don't know if you have any questions so far. Yeah, I do. And then I want to hear more. First of all, you're telling the story as an adult man. Mm. And as a child, obviously, sure. you wouldn't have had <laughs> this language. Mm. But can I assume, because most people I've, I've spoken to about their near-death experiences, mm. they can recall them like they were just yesterday, even if they happened when they were a child. Is it something where you're able to put adult language to it because now you can go back and you know like witness it again and and verbalize that they were angels and i love how you said you know if you have a crush on somebody and you find <laughs> out they feel the same way right, right, to right. me wow that's unconditional love but is it because that memory is so clear that as an adult you're you're really able to process it and understand it whereas a little kid 
I, I don't know if you could put those words to it. It's a great question. I mean, I know in other interviews, I'm my own biggest skeptic to a degree. Like I'm a Taurus. It takes a lot for me to like, you know, to talk about this stuff. But yeah. in other interviews, I would say, all right, you know, I was, I was in preschool. I was four or five years old, but really I spoke to my parents the last couple of years and they said, no, you were just three years old. And that just blew my mind that it was that long ago. And I was so young when I had this, I just can't imagine it. But yeah, I was in preschool. But my father told me recently that I was three years old. And shortly after I came to him and I said, you know, we remember when I was rushed to the hospital, something happened on that day. It's not going to make sense to you now. I can't really describe it now, but one day you'll understand. And he just recently told me that. And for me, you know, my dad is also a therapist. He's not, whatever you see is what you get. And for him to really say that, you know, just gave me a lot more confirmation of my experience. But to answer your question, and this is going to sound thought provocative to viewers, but we're all here to expand. The best way to answer is, you know, we are not our ages. We are not our genders. We are not our name. We experience all those things, but there's a greater soul. There's a greater energy beyond just the way that we see ourselves through the egoic consciousness or the or the or how we experience ourselves in this time. So essentially, chronological age does not always um, match match up with soul age. You know, so I find kids, for instance, they're coming from the other side. So from a soul level, from a soul age, they're probably a lot older in their inner awareness than some adults who have lived here 80, 90 years are very disconnected. Sometimes the young are old and the old are young. But the beautiful part is when the soul integrates itself into the body, you know, when the soul age integrates itself in the chronological age. That's a beautiful thing when the two are meshed. So for me, it took me some time to really put words to it. And to this day, that does not do justice. But I do it not for necessarily myself, but I do it for others. And, uh, you know, I think the near-death experience is a gift. You know, Pablo Picasso once said, the meaning of life is to find your gift, remember a gift, and the purpose of it is to give it away. And that's what I try to do with my NDE, that it wasn't just about me. It was for me to let go and to give to others. Absolutely. I, I think all those things that we experience, whatever they are, great to have them, but where the true meaning is, is when we can be in right. service of others and help people live a yeah. life. So what other things happened? You said there were more things that happened within it that you can mm -hmm. share. Absolutely. And, um, you know, so I was then posed a question, which is one of two positions at end ears. Normally, with near-death experience research, you're told, hey, it's not your time. You've got more work to do, which is probably the usual, I would say, more so than not. But for, for me, I was given autonomy as to what I wanted to do. You know, did I want to cross over to the other side and continue over there? Or did I want to finish off my life in this body? And I was just unsure. It was the hardest. To this day, that's the hardest question I've ever been posed. And I just was just wondering, you know, what is this life about? You know, why am I here? And then all of a sudden, I had a phenomenon, which is now I understand as a life review, which I was able to have an understanding, a wide panoramic viewpoint of my life, almost kind of through film or understanding of 
the experiences that I had, but also the understanding for those around them. And it wasn't pathologized. It was a beautiful experience. Um, and But I was able to also have this life review in other different lifetimes that transcended this lifetime. And the last lifetime that I became aware of, I became emotional. I started seeing a lot of students that I worked with in that last lifetime. But I remembered that I, in that last lifetime, I had a, you know, and I know this is a sensitive topic. I could certainly talk about it, but it was, it was, you know, it was death by suicide. I don't say commit because you don't commit cancer. You don't commit heart attack. I, I look at mental health no differently than physical health. Uh, but I just remembered being incredibly cornered and suffocated in that lifetime and then just, you know, making a decision. But I wasn't judge. I wasn't condemned. You know, my life went on. I was accepted and embraced, you know, when I remembered my crossing over experience in that last lifetime. But I understood the parallels looking back on it from that last lifetime, you know, in the NDE. I always say from um, messages are repeated until those lessons are embraced in a way. And the parallels are undeniable with my NDE where I was once again feeling a sense of suffocation. My physical breath was totally taken from me and there was nothing for me to hold on to. And then through surrendering to this whole new breath of eternity within inside of myself that I was forever connected to, I was reminded, you know, that pain, discomfort, all those things are temporary, but who we are is infinite, eternal. And it's about surrendering to that light, especially in those darkest moments, you know, and, but I, I was able to see myself, you know, what I would be doing in this lifetime. And I saw myself speaking in front of a lot of people. And, you know, I said, wow, the other side is just always going to be there. But this opportunity, you know, to finish this off and to continue to write the story and to bring this into here, I cannot turn that down. And so I, I agreed to stay. And then once I made that decision, everything from my media awareness just kind of dissipated. Then I was left with just doubt and fear. I was just like, how is this going to happen? I don't believe this. I'm going to like, and then the guides just really told me the value of trust, the value of trusting this path. And then, you know, and then I just woke up on a hospital bed, you know, my mother was there and it was a very difficult experience moving forward afterwards, you know, to, to really make sense of. So you grew up as a kid. Did you find you were somebody who was really compassionate with others? Did any of your childhood reflect the man you grew to become? Or yeah, it's hard to say. It's it's hard to say nature nurture because I you know have to be honest. I come from a family of humanitarians. I come from three generations of social workers and. You know, my mother works, you know, as OT, as a physical occupational therapist. We're all very giving people and healers. And that was very installed in my home. And we had a lot of good uh, cultural, religious values, you know, that it was kind of like Ubuntu, that, you know, African American, that, that South African principle of community and a person is a person through a person. Uh, but for myself, it was more, um, it was more intuition that I had after this NDE. You know, I just remember being in preschool and sitting in class after I got back from my NDE. And I don't remember a lot, but the things that I do remember are just otherworldly and uh, discuss maybe how that is possible. But 
I just remember feeling my brain in this sliver of light that I was able to feel in my brain. And, you know, when I would get quiet, I would just be able to cross over to the other side and just have communications with, you know, as we know, the term spirit. But I was also able to have this degree of interdimensional communication. And I was able to see loved ones had premonitions. And, you know, one day I just turned to a classmate. I was, you know, seeing some stuff on the other side. And so it was so clear. And the classmate just looked at me like, what are you talking about? And so that understanding just made me feel very isolated. Like I was kind of like the only one. So for me, I enjoyed getting quiet. I would just kind of go to the bathroom and just, I remember, you know, preschool and kindergarten, just getting very quiet and having these conversations, you know, with this higher energy that we're all connected to. So like a lot of end of years, I felt more comfortable over there than over here. But at a certain point to survive, I had to just bog that down because the world was coming a thousand miles away from me and they, to me, and they wanted me at a certain point to be more love with, um, I would say, uh, regurgitation versus imagination, you know, was just the trajectory that we were all on. It was more important to just know all this stuff in school and be left brain versus creative and right brain. You know? <laughs> yeah, so true. So then you got into your career and you're studying. When, when did you come back and say, I've got to, I've got to tell this story. And was it the book that first came out? Or I know when I talked to you, I think mm. it was before your book came out. Um, yeah. But what, what was it that actually like, I've got to, I've got to tell people this as much there, as I can. About there's it. accumulation of things. I mean, you know, later in life in my early tweens, early twenties, I had a profound out of body experience that lasted several weeks. And it just, to me, it was even more beautiful than my NDE almost because I could say like, I, I feel like I needed that for myself to really believe in this experience and not push it away. But, you know, I was an adult and this profound out-of-body experience lasted several weeks. And with, you know, it's hard to get into the full experience, but basically I just, you know, just kind of woke up one day and I was out of my body. But I think looking back in it, what 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 kind of opened it was just myself just getting into a hysterical laughing spree at the seriousness that we take of all these things in our world that really in reality are nothing and i looked at this cultural myth that i was taught you know of all these things that really matter and i just started looking at it right in the face and i just saw the nothingness that it was and how people would take all this stuff in this reality so seriously, and the only thing that really I knew mattered was just our soul, our love, and the beauty that we experience, and all these things are just almost like air to me, you know, when I was looking at it. But I, I would say that there was a book, you know, out of this, after this OBE, I just kind of like was on a quest, understanding like, what is this stuff in a way? And I was just was getting very much into yoga, meditation, um, but it was at a seminar, actually, where... Um, I think the biggest turning point for me was, uh, you know, I, 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 you mentioned compassion. I, I was a bit of a rebel, and I think sometimes when you have this experience, it's hard for for it was hard for myself to see adults as adults or just to accept this reality because I was taken from it. But I just, I guess, opened up my mouth, and my parents said, "All right, you got to live with your grandparents for a couple of days." And I just remember just getting so upset and feeling just traumatized in a way, and I just 
so I guess subconsciously walked around my block and I was back in the playground again. And it just kind of dawned on me like, wow, you know, I'm here in a playground. And what's about this playground? Why am I always coming back to a playground when I feel kicked out of earth? And this playground reminded me that we're all just children here in God's playground, you know, as our brothers and sisters keeper here to play and enjoy. But we're a, this playground was was there for a reason in my ending. I don't think it was random that it happened there, but it just reminded me how that's our home. You know, we're all just children in God's playground. We're here temporarily experiencing this reality. And it just, I felt this a sense of, of connection, closure, that this is not home. We're here temporarily, but our true home is in the depths of our heart, you know, uh, you know, connected to God. But I went to the sem- this yoga seminar a couple hours later, and this woman came up to me, and I was just feeling completely low still. And she said, you know, I see you speaking in front of a big crowd. You're going to be a healer one day. And she just read stuff about me that totally blew my mind. But she said, you are going to have a tremendous impact on many lives. And that just gave me, again, strength and confirmation what I saw my premonitions in my NDE. And this happened to me on several occasions. But the I think one of the biggest things was also getting Betty 80s Embraced by the Light, which was gifted to me by a friend. And after reading Betty's book, I'm like, wow, other people have this stuff. I thought I was the only one. And that gave universality behind the experience. Yeah. Yeah. Back to your out-of-body experience. You said it lasted a couple of weeks. Were you living life like you could see yourself and you're, you know, almost like, um, how do I even explain like the 30,000 foot view? I know it's so easy to be in our own heads and in stress, but if we, you know, 30,000 feet is typically where the plane flies and you look down and you try to find the emotion and significance and meaning. And you, you realize, you know, you're just kind of hovering above and everything's going to work out. This is part of being human. Was that kind of the feeling that you had like that you could really put life in perspective when you're experiencing that for the few weeks? You know, I th- I think the biggest feeling was like just not having so much dependency on external stuff. You know, I remember just like losing th- like a, a lot of weight. I wasn't like like gravitated to food as much or all these kind of things because I had this internal radiance of peace, of joy and all those, all these things of this reality were just kind of like routes to that, and I was already at that destination. So I wasn't so attached or needed to things of this physical reality. But coming from this place, I saw a lot of things of this reality is so magnificent and beautiful. I just remembered walking in the street and just seeing a tree and just feeling a connection to the tree, and that nature was not separate from me and just a heart opening. But it was more of an energy explosion where I just was able to feel my heart just it's just like it felt like an ocean. I literally could touch it and it felt like like an ocean. It was just like expansive and it was wet. And my forehead was felt like there was a massive eyeball that was blinking very slowly on and off, right? It literally took tissues to try to dry it off because I thought I was like there was like a pool of water on my forehead. Like what's so it was profound, but it just reminded me of all of us have this beautiful connection to energy inside of us that's so expansive, but so many of us get so tight and kind of boxed into how we see ourselves 
that it's hard for us to expand, you know, how our connection and how beautiful and broad we are at our core. And so, at least for me, I, I value exploration. You know, I think if you look at the planet right now, we would just see it as flat if people weren't daring to explore the bounds and weren't daring to see things differently than how they're currently seeing things. So I think it's a great, I think life is about constantly expanding the unknown and making friends with the unknown and not being afraid to always expand the relationship with the unknown. Yeah. Yeah. We have each a mind, the ego mind that keeps right. us locked in. And, you know, when we can get ourselves outside of that and it's really hard to do because it's mm -hmm. so easy for us humans to buy in that we are this flesh and bone. But, you know, if we go to the extremes, you know, we're living in this ever expanding universe, right? So we can't get our brains around that. And then even if we get down to the quantum level, we're all just vibrating energy with the illusion that we are. Right. I mean, it's an awesome illusion. But the truth is, down to our tiniest little piece, you know, we're just vibrating energy. So it's mind blowing. What advice would you have dealing with this conscious mind that's trying to lock us in? Because I think you need to set that aside to get to that place, maybe even quiet the mind where you can actually feel like you are one with everything. Yeah. You know, that's, that was Thich Nhat Hanh, the late Thich Nhat Hanh, you know, the, uh, would say the, the quieter you become, the more you could hear. The right? quieter you become, the, the more you could, the more you could actually hear. hear. Because most people, you know, they're so loud and they think that they're hearing more, but really they're listening to just the what they call the monkey mind and just kind of useless regurgitation, you know. But I think I think it's important, you know, for people to understand the gears that they have and to expand that, that we're more than just the thinking mind, the more than just the body, and to find ways to explore and to connect to some of those other gears and just kind of play with it, you know, but I, but I think really for, for people, it's learning to be in the moment, I think is very important. Um, and by that, I mean, just kind of the simple things that you do, you could catch yourself, you know, thinking about something 10 minutes from now, 20 minutes from now, or something that happened the other time ago and just finding ways to just catch yourself being right here right now but also with a mind of curiosity, a mind that's looking at the world through open eyes and open ears, not closed eyes and closed ears. And to me, I, I think that's about the DNA of God for my NDE is, is awareness. It looks at things in its beautiful form just as it is, and it doesn't kind of have interference with its own judgment, its own blockages from seeing things at their beautiful core. And so I think it's challenging ourselves to just kind of stretch the bounds of how we may be seeing things or viewing things and have a wider panoramic viewpoint of maybe some things. And so, you know, people could carry over just regurgitated viewpoints of life and they'll constantly see the same things. Or each and every day we could view life as an opportunity to draw on the canvas a different picture of reality and challenge ourselves to see things differently. But I, I think it really starts with being an artist of the mind and the heart and constantly trying to have a different viewpoint and, vi and picture of, of things. Yeah. And it takes some practice. I, you know, it's just like building any muscle. It's, but that mind, it's 
It's tough. Um, I, yeah. I think of uh, Albert Einstein, who look at how much he did in one lifetime. God. There's God. stories about him. And one of his, my most favorite quotes of his is there's two ways to live life. Hmm. One that nothing is a miracle. And the other is that everything is a miracle. And he wow. Wow. would give gratitude hundreds of times a day. Right. So, you know, you look at somebody who accomplished so much and you think of, was he tapped into kind of a bigger picture using gratitude and also being aware and looking at the miracles of everything around? It's amazing when you listen to some of these scientists. They're not like, like Einstein to me was, he was like a theologian. He was a thought leader. He was a teacher, spiritual, you know, um, luminary, you know, and I think the fast, to me, being Jewish, the fascinating part is just how he escaped that, you know, you know, in terms of the Holocaust and stuff like that. You just imagine, you know, there's 10 million others and how many other, you know, a reality could have been changed. But you look at him and people like, you know, uh, Victor Frankl and, you know, others of that era who just had such, you know, Eli Wazil, they just had such an impact, you know, on reality. But yeah, Einstein also had a quote that, you know, I think deals with the universe. And I think it's a very important question is the universe for us, with us or against us. And that's a very significant piece to really have the foundation of your life. Is life out to get you? Is life a loving place? You know, is life kind of like an ambivalent place? And um, I think people come back to near-death experiences because it allows them to maybe have a different viewpoint of reality, you know, because it very easily this world that we live in could take over the nature of our mind and how we see things. And, you know, especially the last couple of years, it's been difficult for so many. And I think, you know, hearing a near-death experience maybe could allow people to tap into something greater so that their spirit overtakes their world, you know, in a way. How they view things spiritually influences their world, not the opposite. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, th I think without having a near-death experience ourselves, we can gain some wisdom and knowledge and trust. You know, I remember being a kid, they said, put a smile on your face for 30 seconds and you'll feel happy. It really takes acting as if the world, I think that everything in the world acts for your benefit and right. near-death experiences are real. And, you know, what would it be like if we really lived life knowing that team of angels and that we've got a guide on each side of us or more, you know, I, would we take more risks? Would we go after our dreams? I think there's this whole world. If we really knew the support we have that we would go after that we may not be doing right now. And I think that's one of the reasons you keep sharing what you're sharing, right? Yeah. You know, I, I think, I look at a lot of people and they, you know, the term, I guess, you know, in my field is a midlife crisis where you follow what everyone told you to do. You check off every checklist. You have the big house, the big car, the spouse, the kids, everything. But and then all of a sudden you feel a degree of emptiness. Yeah. You feel just nothing. And so there's a, people who have everything and feel nothing and people have nothing technically materially and they feel everything. And I think really it comes back to the fact that we're spiritual beings. We need that connection. That's our foundation. Without that, you know, all things in life just are very minimized and how much we could find joy and beauty. So I think the foundation that we come from could enhance all of our experiences, you know, in this reality.
Um, and, you know, on my channel that I have, like a big theme is enthusiasm. And I got that really from you know, one of my great teachers, Dr. Wayne Dyer, the late Dr. Wayne Dyer. And he was on the shift. Um, he was doing the shift film, if you're familiar with it. And someone asked him, like, what's, you know, what's like spirituality? What is God? Like, how does someone find that? He goes, enthusiasm. Like, they're like, what? Yeah, that's, that's nice. But he says, enthusiasm is rooted in the Greek word entheos, which just means the inner God within, the God within us, the God within each one. So when you find things that you love, you are in your enthusiasm, you're connecting to your divine source, and that gets you happy, as you said, that gets you connected. So I think it's important for people to not bypass things of this reality, but to understand that the things that we love here in this reality, we we continue to hold on to in the afterlife. You know, we continue. It's you know, it's like I'm sure you've seen readings where a loved ones come through. And they're doing things that they love to in this reality. Like my grandpa's always coming through in a fishing pole and stuff like that. Like the things that, you know, so our afterlife, our heaven is this, in a way. We carry this reality over there. So it's important to live fully here because that's our heaven when we leave this world, you know. Yeah. I don't know if I ever told you this story. I'm sure listeners and viewers know it, but before my dad passed and it was a violent death with cancer, it was not good. But before he did, I had the courage to share with him that I'd been exploring the afterlife and I'd taken mm-hmm. a few medium courses at the time. And my dad helped tons of cancer and AIDS patients because dad had had cancer 30 years before he had passed and he, he beat it through visual imagery and all kinds of great things. Wow. So he always shared, you know, that you can beat it, you can beat it. And so while I was talking to dad, I said, Dad, you know, I got to tell you about studying the afterlife and whatnot. And in my mind's eye, I saw this yellow airplane, a Piper Cub with black letters. And I thought, uh oh, you know, like something's happening. And then I just felt this man, jovial, laughing with me to give my dad the message that you are wrong. You do get to take your toys with you. So it was just so loud in my mind that I said, dad, I, you know, I don't know what you're going to think of this, but I said, I just have to tell you, I said, I just feel like there's this man here and he's laughing and I see the yellow airplane with the black letters and he, he's saying, you know, you were wrong. You do get to take your toys with you. Well, Jacob, my dad just started to cry, right? His good friend, Jim had died just a couple months before he owned a, yellow airplane with the black letters, tail dragger, and my dad helping him kind of fight the battle with cancer. He kept telling him, Jim, you can beat this because you don't get to take your toys with you. So it was it, that was a shift with my dad. Like, I want to hear everything that you're up to, Sandra. And he made me promise to write a book. And oh, yeah, all, and all good ended up coming because I, I obviously wouldn't be here with you today without my dad. But just that you're right, our soul's journey continues things that we haven't done here on earth, we can do, we can continue to explore. And yes, we bring our toys with us. So that's great. What a, what a profound, touching, evidential piece of story. And I think, you know, viewers listening could certainly be inspired by what you said, because, you know, I think our loved ones want us to live for them right? In the lives that we live, you know, A is an undeniable undeniable mark of their existence, that they were here and there's an imprint of their DNA in us. 
but also the things that we do, we're doing, you know, through them, with them, you know, for them. And so by you writing that book, it says Sandra Champlain on it, but it carries your dad too. It carries all those people around you. So it's just kind of like an ode to all those people who had an impact. And it's just this collective uh, wave of love that you're giving to so many people through this soul family that you're a part of. And it's just a collective team effort. It's beautiful. Thanks. Speaking of books, let's talk about yours and what's in them and why you're so passionate about sharing them. Well, I I love writing. I really do. I, I, I'm not, um, if you would have told me, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I'd have two books. I thought you're crazy because I started in in a community college at the lowest possible writing and reading level in remedial courses. There was two remedial courses and I was at the lowest possible level. And it was hard, but I had an aunt who was very much into spirituality. She read Sylvia Brown and all this stuff. And so she just saw something in me. So she would make me read books each week and give her like a report on it, what I thought about it. So it was many ways from reading all these beautiful books that I you know, really improved my writing skills, my reading skills. And it also allowed me to kind of go into a library and see the shelf and I'd be like, I want to live with them. I want to be on that shelf one day. And it's just, you know, sometimes when you see someone that you are inspired by, you're like, you could get jealous or you could say, no, that's me. I'm that person that I am inspired by, that I see myself in that person. And so for me, it's just kind of given back to all these authors that saved my life as a young kid and just influenced my trajectory. It's my way of giving. Uh, There's two types of people. You could be givers and takers. And uh, I think it's through giving that you receive. You're taking, you receive little usually, (laughs) Uh, you know, full things. So, uh, but I just love giving over information to others and just kind of getting out of my own way and surrendering, you know, and just allowing information to come through. But it's the relationships that comes through the book. It's through people's emails and going on tours and stuff like that. That to me is what it's all about. It's about the relationships that you could make through this creative projects. And, you know, there's unlimited possibilities that could happen through those things. So Life After Breath is the first one, right? My first book, yeah. Sharing about your, obviously, your near-death experience, probably in a much greater detail than we have in an hour together. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a very vulnerable book. Um, And people ask me, you know, why did you get so vulnerable in your memoir? And I said, well, it's kind of like uh, Eli Wiesel's quote that I believe that says, God made us because God loves stories. And why make a boring one? Make something, you know, that's reflective of what you experienced and not kind of sugarcoat it. But I I don't want to leave this world known as the near-death experience or afterlife guy. I want people to see themselves as afterlife people, not attached to me. I'm just the guy who had this thing. I want people to remember, hopefully, that they are that and not to just kind of put us on this ivory tower. You know, I don't have monopolization over that. So I got vulnerable for people to really see that, you know, that I'm human, but they could relate to it. And hopefully, you know, they could find ways to expand their mind and to integrate it. Sometimes you see things so beautiful, you just can't relate to it. You can't integrate it, you know? (laughs) I do. And what had you write Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder? Well, the Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder, it's kind of, 
you know, if you're familiar, like Jacob from the Bible, who uh, I was named after, who was chased by his brother Esau, you know, after the covenant with Isaac and stuff like that. And Jacob had a dream in Bethel and Israel called the house of God. And in this dream, when he was running from his life, from his brother Esau, he saw the angels going up and down the ladder. And so this to me is an ode to God's sense of humor, where my name is Jacob and I was, you know, in a playground on a ladder on a slide. It's just, you know, kind of the allegory of the whole thing, but also the beauty of the ladder, where a ladder is connected to the, to the ground and goes up to the heavens. So really, the wisdom of Jacob's ladder is up, bring that other stuff down to earth, you know, down to here. And each rung, each lifetime that we're on is another opportunity to become a greater expression of who we truly are with greater understanding and integration within each lifetime. So it's to bring over the hereafter to the here now so that we don't have to die to have that awareness or have an NDE, like you said, to have that, but rather people could have remembrance of all this stuff. And I have a feeling that people are listening today because there's a part of them that remembers something more. Otherwise they wouldn't listen. There's something familiar in what we're talking about in some level. That's why they're here and they tune in. So they could continue to expand that and they don't need to go through the torture that I went through <laughs> with suffocation and trauma and all that stuff, but they could have it without that, you know, just through their hearts and having it really sit right with them. Yeah. I love talking with you. I really do. And I can Likewise, yeah. thanks, thanks, thanks. <laughs> but I know I, when I wrote my book, we don't die. I wanted a book where people could just open to a random page and get some insight for their life. And I have a feeling that Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder is a book like that as well, because there is wisdom throughout it about life, about not listening to the story of another guy, but it's the story of your own life and exploring. Am I right in saying that? It's Yeah, it's very much a teaching okay. book. It's yeah. very much a lessons book. You know, um, there's a saying that we that they have, you know, with terms of karma and dharma, where karma is kind of like your story and dharma is the meaning, the bulk, the purpose, the essence, you know. So life after breath is more the karma and the wisdom of Jacob's ladder is more the dharma, you know, the, the meat and the meaning and the lessons and the essence. So that is really about my book is like full teacher mode, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Which is good because we're always in a different place. You know, every time yeah. we wake up, it's a new day. And I know you know, I read some books years ago and I was at one place and then now I can read them with a whole new set of eyes. Isn't it amazing? You know, the same things we're looking at. And again, that's a Wayne Dyer thing, but when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change and just how. You've when, got so many nuggets of wisdom within <laughs> but, but, this conversation. I have to start quoting other people, but but he's, right. my, he, he's my guy. Yeah, we're both Tauruses and I have a funny Wayne Dyer story where I never followed Wayne Dyer in his life just as a teacher. It just it just didn't you know come on my radar. Uh, but after he passed, I just had a feeling like he was talking to me. He's like, "I'm going to be working with you." I'm like, "Dude, like, who am I for you to like speak to? Like, go to this Rainbow Hay House thing? Like, you know, like talk to them? Like, I'm just a dude. Like, why are you coming to small me?" And then I found out that he lived here in Long Island. You know, he worked at, like, I believe St. John's. And that's when he just had this other calling to turn down tenure and get into the self-help stuff. And he, you know, it's just a, a college professor turned down tenure. It's a crazy, you know, but he just had this other calling in himself. But 
later, I had people who were just so close to him who helped me out with my first book. And, you know, that, so essentially he was behind so many people and they helped me too. And that's what it's all about. And even Anita Morjani, who's, you know, endorsed my first book. I know Wayne was so behind her book because her story really touched a part of him, you know, with maybe what he was experiencing. So, you know, I think it's about the ripple effect. And that's kind of what I understood by Wayne, where so many of his, he was just kind of orchestrating a lot of his people that, you know, he helped out and they were able to reciprocate it to such a high degree in my life. And I'm grateful for that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So do you welcome people to get in touch with you? I know you've got jacoblcooper.com website. Let us know what we can find there. I wanted Jacob Cooper. It just wasn't available. So no, I, my, I get you. I went with my middle initial, which which is Lieb, which means heart. So that's hopefully where I try to come from. I come from the heart. But jacoblcooper.com, and you could find my social media links through Instagram, Facebook. I am on TikTok. Um, and my YouTube channel, which just came out, and we will be having you as an honored guest you know, soon. Uh, so you'll be seeing just great guests and you know, just kind of insights, some teachings, some messages that I have there too. As, uh, yes, I titled my book, The Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder. It's the other side. But I, I know that wisdom is just the oxygen of our times. And I say that because I had my own breath taken away and I suffocated and I just connected to this infinite source of wisdom. And my whole life's purpose is to give back life into others who may not be feeling fully connected to life itself. And I think that is about, you know, because people could try to find God. They could travel thousands of miles away, go to the Himalayas. I think that's great. Or you can understand the DNA of God. And it's really about the giver of life and just really helping out others and being there and giving over beauty and life and uh, just a sense of meaning to others. And that's what I try to do. And I know you do as well, too. That's the embodiment, which is more meaningful than finding, you know. beautiful well our time is coming to the end is there anything else you'd like to share or something i haven't asked you that you feel passionate about we love to share passions here because as much as we like to know that there's a reality of life after death you know what's under that for me is helping people through grief and helping people have a powerful life while they're here so any other words of wisdom you wish to share well I'm not going to say words of wisdom. I was about to say "Let it be" by the Beatles, but you know, with this all, yeah. Which, uh, but um, I think it's important for people to have two truths that could be existing at the same time. That you could have this deep spiritual awareness of the afterlife. You could really be full and deep in it, but you could also be very human too. And you mentioned grief. That we have to allow ourselves to feel our feels and to go through our human stuff. And also allow ourselves to feel and understand the spirit stuff too, that they're all important. And because I see a lot of people who just try to bypass all this stuff and they just try to evade it. But I think we're here to learn unconditional love towards ourselves and that raw pain that we feel and how we relate to it is pivotal because from relating to that, that could transcend, transform to how we relate to others. And so I think it's important for people to really, you know, you call inner child stuff, whatever it is, uh, but to but to not bypass pain, but to listen to, to pain. Because like you and so many others, where would purpose be without pain? 
without pain, where would people's purpose be? You know, if you look at anyone who's transformed the world, it has come from many times that deep place of pain. And so through grief, you know, I look at it kind of like near death, no differently, where you looked at death, you saw it straight in his eyes, and you looked right at it, and you were able to have, you know, a different interpretation of the finite, you know, where maybe before you didn't think about it, and now all of a sudden you're thinking about it, and there's maybe less trepidation, but there's more meaning and love and joy that you could have in this lifetime through acknowledging the finite reality of this body while seeing the infinite ray of light behind it, you know? Yeah, just beautiful. Jacob, thank you so much for being our guest today. Oh, thank you so much for all you do, Sandra. I couldn't thank you enough for, you know, you, you really are changing the world and uh, you just continue to transcend this path and I'm always inspired by you. Oh, you're sweet. <laughs> I just care. That's all. I, so, I learn good things. I meet good people and I just want to share my toys like on the playground. That's amazing. Yes. And that's, that's the other message I think we have for people is um, on my first book, I, um, it's endorsed by my friend, Alison Dubois. And she's, she had a book called something like we are their heaven. Mm-hmm. So, you know, really sometimes we think of those in the afterlife as just in the afterlife, but the lives that we live our loved ones view that as their heaven. So entertain them, you know, live life for them, you know, live and explore and enjoy. And that's to me, the most spiritual thing that you could do is through life itself, you know, and and how you're able to broaden the life in front of you. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Live life. Your loved ones are with you and joy. And we get to see, you know, on our Sunday gathering every, every Sunday. Oh my goodness. It's going on. We're in our fourth year now of doing it every Sunday at two o'clock New York time. It's going to go on forever, I'm sure. But each Sunday, we have a different theme of inspiration. We've got music videos. We've got an address, normally a reading, a healing section. But there's also a medium demonstration section. And each and every Sunday, people are reunited with their loved ones. And even though just a handful of people come through, it lets everybody know just how close your loved ones are. They're experiencing life with you. They are your biggest cheerleaders. You know, I, I never forget about, you know, one medium said, I know you've got the picture of your son in your hands and you just gave it a kiss. And the lady's like, I did, you know, I did, you know, so many things. They are with us. They love us and they're not leaving us. And I think that moment that we transition, we'll get we'll get to know just how maybe not easy it is to communicate with our loved ones, but that we are still very much with them, that we communicate through our thoughts and feelings. So I think it's important for everybody to slow down, to have that, that bigger view, to be aware, because that's also, you know, those little subtle feelings and messages. It's our loved ones saying hello. So anyways, with that, thank you to Jacob. To our listener or our viewer, a reminder that we don't die.com is our home base. If you scroll to the bottom of the page, there's a place you can join our mailing list. It's, I don't spam you. Don't worry about that. But it's your name and your email address. And with that, you get a free copy of my book, We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. Chapter 10 is about grief. And much as I love talking about the afterlife, Grief is the most painful thing that we human beings have to endure. So to understand what's in your control, what's out of your control, what's part of our biology, tools to help you move through it, 
it is to me the most important thing to read. So that is chapter 10, my gift to you. What else can I tell you? If you enjoy this show, whatever, however you're listening to it, share. You know, I know it's uncomfortable sometimes for us to talk to people in our life about our beliefs. And, you know, a lot of us who talk this life after death, we think people will think I'm strange if I share about it. The truth is, oh gosh, I think it's more, it's not a hundred percent of the population that believes in the afterlife, but it's well over 75% that do, but we're afraid of what people think of us. So oftentimes we don't share it. But once you do start talking about it, people will say, Oh, I had this weird thing happen to me, or I got a sign from my loved one. So if you are inspired, just press the share button. It'll make a difference. Also go to visit Jacob's website, jacoblcooper.com. Easy as that. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain, and it is always my privilege. It gives me so much joy to be your host of We Don't Die Radio. I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important. So as Jacob was saying, try to have one of those out-of-body experiences yourself. Look look at your life from a, a different perspective. Be aware. Find the enthusiasm or act as if you're enthusiastic and your loved ones are with you and, you know, share. You're, you get a whole new world and new experiences to discover. So I really want to thank you for listening or for watching and we'll see you again soon.